Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, great to be here. It's Thanksgiving, of course, this weekend in the US. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. And we've got Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Don't they sound exciting? Well, it's about retailers in the main getting rid of all that stock that they have, whether online or whether they're in physical space. Clicks, bricks, bricks and clicks, whatever. And they'll be trying to push down their inventories while everybody out there will be trying to grab a bargain as a consumer. Now, will that happen? Well, I've looked around and there aren't many terrific bargains out there than I can see. And sometimes a lot of those goods are already up for sale at these lower prices now, but they've been higher prices previously, but they've been lower prices too. So you have to be careful if you're a consumer and you're heading for your Black Friday bargain. And the question arises, and it comes around in recent times, nearly every year, when people say, is it really such a good thing to have these Black Fridays and Cyber Mondays? Well, obviously it pushes up sales for retail outlets, and they want to push their inventories out of the warehouse and into your homes. And then they've got only a short number of selling days in the biggest season of the year, before it's Christmas and when Boxing Day arrives on December the 26th, of course, that could really be make or break time. If they haven't sold all the inventory by then, then they've got a warehouse full of inventory that they'll have to sit on for maybe some considerable time. And that will cost them quite a lot of money. So if you ever wondered what Black Friday and Cyber Monday are all about, it's really all about that. In the past... Black Friday and Cyber Monday have been ways to stimulate extra sales during the high peak season, so to get even higher sales and increase profits. But is this a good deal for consumers? Well, if you look around at the deals on offer, probably the worst offenders are Amazon and Very, amongst others, who are putting prices that look lower to attract consumers to buy. But when you look at the history, they're not really low because they move these prices around all the time. And although they might have held higher prices for short periods of time for that particular inventory item, then the likelihood is that you could have bought it for the same price or a lower price at another time in the year. So are the deals as good as they look? No is the answer. And it's not just Amazon and Very. There are other retailers doing exactly the same. High street retailers, Curry's, and if you're looking in the United States, retailers in the United States following exactly the same suit. So beware the Black Friday deal. Now, if you want to find out more about what you can do in the supply chain to manage peak season better, then you should listen to my conversation with Mario Paganini, and he's the VP Marketing from Stored. And there are some very useful tips of what to do to manage your supply chain better. So drop by and pick that one up. Train and engine service members of the Transportation Division of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail and Transport Workers narrowly voted to reject the deal to accept the wage increase. The unit includes conductors, brakemen and other workers. 
and it joins three other unions in rejecting a deal brokered via a board appointed by the US President Joe Biden back in September. So it's looking more likely there's going to be an end-of-year rail strike in the United States. A lot of anger has come from the paid sick leave proposals among the membership who kept goods flowing during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Labour unions have criticised the railroads for sick leave and attendance policies and the lack of paid sick days for a short-term illness. Unions asked for 15 days and the railroad settled on one personal day. In recent times, railroads have slashed labour and other costs to bolster profits, and they are fiercely opposed to adding paid sick time because that would require them to employ more staff. Companies affected are Union Pacific, Berkshire Hathaway and CSX. They're all claiming it's the most generous deal in 50 years. Railroads are also under pressure from major US industry groups that complain that the rail industry cost cuts have hurt service. Many want Biden and Congress to swiftly intervene to prevent the strike or employer lockout ahead of the holiday season. Karine Jean-Pierre, White House spokesperson, said the shutdown would hurt American families, farms and businesses. So will a settlement be reached? A rail traffic stoppage could freeze almost 30% of US cargo shipments by weight and it will impact inflation and cost the American economy as much as $2 billion per day. So it's a real headache for those trying to run logistics operations. Last week, the US Chamber of Commerce said Congress should step in to prevent the disruption. The opinion of Jeremy Ferguson from Smart TD, he says that this can all be settled through negotiation without a strike. The National Carriers Conference Committee represents the nation's freight railroads in talks, and it said... The continued near-term threat of a strike will require that freight, railroads and passenger carriers soon begin to take responsibility to secure the network in advance of any deadline. Railroads show no sign of reopening talks, so it's a standoff at the moment. The deal on the table, 24% compounded wage increase over a five-year period from 2020 through to 2024 and five annual $1,000 lump sum payments. About 115,000 workers are affected by the talks. Saudi Arabia has claimed that it's not about to increase oil output, which would see prices reduced by about 5%. And many think that Saudi Arabia is trying to recover losses from previous times. So it's likely that oil prices are going to remain high. And Brent crude increased on this news by about 37 cents or 0.4% to $87.82. Saudi Arabian Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman said on Monday that they were unlikely to boost output. The OECD has said that the global economy should avoid recession next year, according to its forecasts. World economic growth will slow from 3.1% this year to 2.2% next year before accelerating to 2.7% in 2024. So they're not predicting recession according to OECD head Matthias Corman. It forecasts that 19 countries in the Eurozone would grow 3.3% this year, then slow to 0.5% in 2023 before recovering to expand to 1.4% in 2024. And this is better than the outlook when the OEC 
produced its last forecast in September, when it estimated just 3.1% growth this year and 0.3% in 2023. Germany's economy is highly dependent on Russian energy exports, so I'm not quite sure how they've squared the circle here. The French economy is far less dependent on Russian gas and oil and is expected to grow 0.6%. Italy, 0.2%. If you look at the UK figures, they're forecasting 0.4% for 2023, 0.2% in 2024. So they're pointing to a, a lower outturn from the United Kingdom. Back in September, they'd forecast 3.4% for the UK and 0% for 2023. So now they're saying this year will be 4.4% in 2022, but it will slip down to 0.4%. These are just forecasts, so how accurate they are remains to be seen. The United States is expected to grow 1.8% this year, 0.5% in 2023, and return to 1% in 2024. Previously it said 1.5% for the United States for this year, and 0.5% for 2023. So lots of forecasts. It's that time of the year when all these forecasts are coming out. But which one do you believe is the question. Brexit was back in the news this week. And when we think about the United Kingdom leaving the European Union, the fallout from that move is there for all to see in the economy numbers and particularly in labour. Britain's got labour shortages in almost every industry. And those labour shortages are directly attributable to the leaving of the European Union. There were many staff in jobs in the United Kingdom who were bolstering the economy prior to Britain's exit. Of course, it doesn't get much of time these days because there's no political capital to be made out of it for either of the leading parties in the UK. And it doesn't get much news time either. But it's still a big problem. And it's a big problem in supply chains. It's a problem in supply chains because we've got more friction in supply chains than ever. Once you've got friction in a supply chain, you've got higher cost. And if you've got higher cost, that's not good for anybody. So if you wonder why trade's down between Europe and the United Kingdom, look to Brexit. Regulators have been turning their attention to environmental, social and governance, ESG, and in particular to the providers of certification of ESG credentials. That's because there's heightened awareness about ESG and if you get the sign-off from an assessment company that your company meets all the conditions and is doing pretty well, that can attract investment funds into the company. And many people have become concerned that ESG isn't all it appears to be and that's because they're concerned about greenwashing. Lots of companies have the right words, say the right things, put the right comments on the website, but actually in reality, they're not doing very much. But if a certification is received from a provider, then that doesn't really matter as far as the company goes because they can uh, say they're, the, they're meeting all their ESG targets. And so financial authorities in European Union, in Japan and in the United Kingdom all want to see tighter regulation of the ESG certification provision. Now, if you don't know what ESG is, you can take a look on the Chain Reaction podcast site 
and you'll find a five minutes episode explaining the ESG concept. So pick that one up and get up to speed. Australia ratified its trade deals with the United Kingdom and India this week. The trade deal with the United Kingdom is mainly focused on agricultural produce and it will allow movement for service sector professionals too. That was signed back in 2021. The Indian trade deal allows 85% of Australian goods to enter India without tariffs. The Australia-India deal is worth exports to India of about 12.6 billion Australian dollars or 8.3 billion US dollars. And that was signed in April this year. Now we've had a few really good episodes in the past few weeks and if you want to drop by and pick those up, I suggest you do that. There's one on peak season demand where I talk to Mario Paganini from Stored about that peak season demand and all things in the supply chain, the things that Stored are doing to make the supply chain of the future today. There's also an episode on leadership. And so if you're an aspiring leader in the supply chain space, then I suggest you take a listen to that too. And there might be some tips that you pick up or it might just be entertainment for you. You might already be a good leader. And of course, there's all the recent news roundups. If you haven't caught up with those, catch up with those too. Well, I just want to tell you about some exciting things coming up in December. As we move towards Christmas, I'm going to do a year in review. And the year in review for Chain Reaction has been quite an exciting one. Lots of disruption as we've come out of the pandemic lockdowns and things have cranked up. But not in the way that everybody expected them to. There's been some changes that perhaps we didn't expect, particularly the invasion of Ukraine. And that's caused all kinds of disruption in Europe and, of course, in other parts of the globe. Then there's been continued lockdowns in China and there's been lots of other things happening. So I'll be playing you some of the best clips from the previous episodes of Chain Reaction throughout the year to give you a flavour of what's gone on and you can stop by and pick up the year in review about the 20th of December. Royal Mail in the United Kingdom is striking, has a number of strike days in the Christmas period. It starts this week on Thursday and Black Friday. Deliveries are going to be disrupted by 10 more strike days at the busiest time of the year for postal services. So if you don't get your Christmas card from me this year, you'll know why. Royal Mail has already said it's made its best and final offer, but the union's holding out. The Communication Workers Union continues to fight for a better deal. So this will affect Black Friday sales delivered by post and also Cyber Monday too. Strikes have already cost about £100 million, according to Royal Mail, and they've threatened to withdraw the pay offer unless a settlement is reached. The CWU represents 115,000 workers at Royal Mail, and they rejected a 7% pay offer over two years. This all happening at a time when letters don't make the Royal Mail any money. People are sending 60% fewer of them than they were in 2005 and the company wants to switch focus to parcels. It also wants to rearrange working practices, and it only wants to operate a five-day week. It would mean a number of redundancies, probably. The parcel delivery service would have to continue with a seven-day week, 
if it wants to be competitive with other privatised firms offering similar services. The Rail Workers Union in the United Kingdom is also on strike. This has been going on for some considerable time, but there are 48-hour period strikes on the 13th, 14th, 16th, 17th of December and the 3rd and 4th and 6th and 7th of January. 40,000 workers will walk out and there's likely to be disruption in the Christmas period, just when you want the railway. Government needs to sort this out. There are also civil service strikes in the United Kingdom in many of the government departments and they're going to be continuing throughout December. So if you want your passport or your driving license or anything else or you want to reply from the other departments, you better get a move on. Well, Foxconn, who are Apple's largest manufacturer and assembler in China, are experiencing production difficulties. According to news sources, the company could now see more than 30% of the site's November production affected, and that's up from an internal estimate of up to 30% when the factory worker troubles began in late October. A spokesman said, The site is the only factory where Foxconn makes premium iPhone models, including the iPhone 14 Pro, and it's unlikely to get back to full production by the end of the month. The iPhone factory has been grappling with strict COVID-19 restrictions, and that's fueled a lot of discontent among workers and disrupted production ahead of Christmas and January Lunar New Year holiday. Many workers have been put into isolation, or they've left the plant. And there were protests at the plant earlier in the week. This is putting pressure on Apple's ability to deliver products for the busy holiday period. On Wednesday, workers, most of whom were new recruits hired in recent weeks, clashed with security personnel at the Zhengzhou plant in central China. And many claimed to have been misled over compensation benefits at the factory. And others complained about sharing dormitories with colleagues who tested positive for COVID. Foxconn apologised for a pay-related technical error and later offered 10,001 to protesting new recruits who agreed to resign on leave. The source said more than 20,000 workers, mostly new hires, not yet working on production lines, took the money and left. There were videos posted on Chinese social media on Friday showing crowds and long lines of luggage-laden workers queuing for buses. It's time to go home, one person said. Foxconn was formerly known as Hon Hai Precision Industry. They declined to comment. The plant before all this trouble began employed more than 200,000 staff. It has dormitories, on-site, restaurants, basketball courts and a football pitch across the sprawling 1.4 million square metres. The images and the disruption are having quite an impact on Foxconn and of course Apple has already made plans to develop its production plant in India, which I reported in the Chain Reaction podcast last week. Ford are having to recall 634,000 sport utility vehicles, SUVs, worldwide because of fire risks from possible cracked fuel injectors and they've urged owners to have their cars inspected. It was reported on Thursday. America's number two automaker, by sales, said the recall covers 2020 to 2023 models, Bronco Sport and Escape SUVs with three-cylinder, one-and-a-half-litre engines, including many that were also recalled in April because 
an oil separator housing could crack and develop a leak, which could cause engine fires. Vehicles repaired under the earlier recall will still need the new recall fix. So, real problem with quality there, by the sounds of things. We don't very often think about quality in supply chains. We take it for granted. But that seems to be a real a real issue for Ford. And if they're recalling the cars, that's going to be expensive. It covers about 520,000 vehicles in the United States and about 114,000 in other countries. Ford said it has 54 total reports of 1.5 litre underhood fires, including 4 with cracked fuel injectors, and another 13 were probably caused by leaking fuel injectors. So, they had to do something about that one. Tesla has recalled 80,000 cars, which are made in China, and it goes back to as early as 2013. It's because of software and seatbelt issues, a statement by the Chinese market regulator revealed on Friday. The US-based electric car maker has recalled 67,698 Model S and Model X cars imported to China between September 25, 2013 and November 21, 2020 due to software problems affecting the battery management system in the vehicles. Tesla said it will upgrade the software of the recalled vehicles. Tesla also recalled 2,736 imported Model 3 cars manufactured between January and November 2019, and 10,127 China-made ones of the same model produced between October 14, 2019 and September 26, 2022. That's because of faulty seatbelt installation, which Tesla will check and reinstall, it said. Back in April, Tesla recalled a total of 127,785 units of Model 3 cars in China, citing potential faults in semiconductor components that might lead to collisions. So some big problems there arising for those Tesla recalls. Amazon sites in Germany and France are experiencing disruption as workers down tools on the Black Friday as part of a move across the world to target the online retailer. The Make Amazon Pay initiative, which made the call for strikes, said industrial action was planned in more than 30 countries, including the United States. In Germany, there have been demonstrations at nine out of 20 Amazon warehouses in the country. Although on Friday morning the company said the vast majority of its employees in Germany were working as normal. In France, the SUD and CGT unions called for strike action in the country in eight warehouses. Amazon France said there had been no sign of disruption to operations so far. Two French union officials said they were not expecting a big turnout because the rising cost of living was driving employees to seek overtime. So caught in a dilemma whether to strike or get overtime because of cost of living. The Verdi union called the strikes in Germany and demanded the company recognise collective bargaining agreements for retail and mail-order trade sectors. It also said that further collective agreements on workers' well-being were necessary too. French unions want higher cash bonuses for the period preceding Christmas because this is a period in which employees at warehouses are asked to do a lot of overtime work. A spokesman for Amazon in Germany said employees are paid well and they have development opportunities in a safe and attractive working environment. The starting pay for warehouse operatives 
in German warehouses is 13 euros, which is about $13.52 per hour. But they get bonus payments on top of that. The average wage after two years of working for them is about 35,000 euros gross. Amazon's also in the news about closing down Amazon Food, a business the company was trialling in the southern Indian city of Bengaluru. It said they were going to discontinue that operation. So it mustn't have been very successful, the trial, what we can gather from that. It's perhaps more to do with the economic times, really. And perhaps in better times, it might have worked. So perhaps they'll come back to that one later. But uh, it's interesting they haven't been able to make it work. It's not often you can say that about Amazon. Most of the things they trial seem to become successful operations. Well, with Thanksgiving weekend... It was expected that Black Friday would see many shoppers turn out in numbers to grab a bargain. But apparently it was reported from a Target store in Raleigh, North Carolina, that only 20 people have come through the self-checkout so far. The heavy rain seems to have put people off between 6 and 8am on the Friday. Maybe it will improve as the day moves on. 166 million people were planning to shop for Thanksgiving Day through to Cyber Monday. According to the National Retail Federation in the US, almost 8 million more than last year. But the sporadic rain in parts of the country seems to have put people off. So even shopping, you see, depends on the weather. In New York, it was cloudy with occasional light rain, and employees were seen waiting inside stores for the crowds that hadn't yet arrived. But we'll have to assess what the turnout was like after The weekend has happened. It's a bit like a sports game. You might start off slowly, but it could end with a flourish. Walmart has certainly ramped up its marketing for the holiday period, and it's purchased quite a lot of ads on Twitter and Instagram, trying to stimulate interest during National Football League games and on billboards near New York City's Penn Station. So perhaps they'll still come through the door with a little bit of a nudge. Online retailers might have more to worry about, with the Amazon sites affected by industrial action in Germany and France that we talked about a little earlier. So we'll have to see what happens there. Well, that's it for this week's News Roundup. I'll see you in the next edition of Chain Reaction, when hopefully you'll join us to add value to your supply chain. But for now, I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. And I'll see you next time. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast was written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. 
I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains, and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.